Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, 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 and welcome to the latest edition of Spin the Rally Pod. I'm Lisa O'Sullivan, the rally fan, and we're launching straight into it with our former team boss, George Donaldson, the man they call the voice of rally, Colin Clark, and Dirtfish senior staff writer, David Evans, because I have to say I was very excited about the Rally of Croatia, but David, you've got me a little bit excited already on this very, very early morning with a secretive piece of work that sounds like you've been up all night writing. No, absolutely not up all night, Lise, but, uh, yep, filed this morning. Um, It's, yeah, it is, it's actually, it is quite a historic piece uh, because what are we today? Wednesday. So Tuesday, yesterday, was the first day that a Rally 1 car ran with full hybrid. Uh, And you can can read all about it. We have an exclusive test debrief with Matthew Wilson, uh, who was driving the the M Sport car uh, out in Spain, just north of Barcelona. Uh, And yeah, really just so, so incredibly exciting, really exciting to, you know, after some difficult issues early doors with, with the hybrid system and the battery and everything, it was just great to talk to Matthew. They haven't they haven't run it at a hundred percent power yet. That's the the morning treat today. They were building up, um, sort of stage by stage, yesterday. Um, but to hear the excitement in Matthew's voice, you know, when wow. you when you get that full power, which must be knocking on the door of five hundred horsepower, uh, it was great. It was great. So uh, so yeah. So go and have a look at that. Can I say something, David Evans? Of course you uh, can. Colin. Very... Could you imagine me saying no? It is very early. Well, I'm I'm going to be conservative with my words because I'm not sure what words will come out at this time in the morning. But David Evans, you are genuinely the greatest rally journalist in the world. And that is why. And that is why. No, I, sometimes we have to blow a little bit of hot air. Um, but that is an able demonstration of why if you're not watching or looking at dirtfish.com and you're not reading David Evans just now, you're just not in touch. You are the man, David Evans. That's all well, I'm that's saying. Very, I'm off. That's very kind. That's very kind. <laughs> Clearly, you are still half asleep, Cole. But thank you very much. <laughs> and thank you very much, I have to say. A big thank you for your input yesterday into uh, what was a reasonably sized crisis uh, in, in the Evans household uh, when we discovered what I was hoping was a mouse but turned yeah. out to be a rat in the yeah. back garden. And oh, my Co- Lord. Colin identified to, to it. To be honest. You'd have been better and asking. He identified, been, hang on, he identified it. I did identify it. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't stretch much further than that. No, 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 no. I identified it. You'd have been better asking George, but he'd have still been telling you about the differences between a rat and a mouse, probably up until ten minutes ago. So, <laughs> so. it was. It, it was a rat with Sorry, two George. holes in the back of its neck uh, from our cat. The family cat had done its job. Um, oh, nice, good cat. nice yes. one, nice one. <laughs> yes. My cat, my cat looks enviously out at birds now uh, from the window. Oh. Little kitten that it is, he's looking enviously. <sighs> and and my, my my daughter who it belongs to doesn't want to let him out. She, but it's too far too young to do. He's not been chipped yet or done or anything. So, oh wow, he's the cutest kitten in the world. I have to he say, is though, the, George, he is the cutest and- kitten in the world. You were also the last person in the world I thought would be posting videos of cats. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big animal fan. Anyway. You're a softy, you know, I love, I love creature. I'm a big softy, really. You are. So did I you tell, tell what you also though? are, George? I tell yes. you what, you're you're also a man who knows the rule book backwards and forwards because that's yeah. another thing you need to head to dirtfish.com and read if you haven't superb seen it. Superb piece, absolutely superb. What a weekend. What a weekend. George has uh, filled in the legalities of what happened at the end of the rally. But I think we need someone to explain, David or Colin, um, what happened in Croatia. Mm. Give us like a, a very quick sit rep and sum up, especially Sunday and another. Well, it's a, it's a massively tiny victory by Sebastian Ogier. Mm. David, do you want me to go? <laughs> yeah, you, you go on ahead, Cole. Yeah, go. listen, uh, first of all, we have to say the most remarkable competition, right down to the final corner of the final stage. 
and a brilliant, brilliant drive by both Elvin Evans, but fractionally more so by Sebastian Ogier. Just a stunning Sunday, it really was. But really the talking point, you know, what was it, you know, 0.6 of a second, the difference, that really should be the talking point. But, you know, there were two talking points on Sunday. Uh, there was that remarkable victory. And then there was the fallout from an accident that happened on the road section. Now, you know, as you rightly say, Lise, have a read of George's column. He, he describes beautifully, you know, what the situation is. Road accidents happen. We know that. The most important thing when a road accident happens is that you deal with it and you deal with it correctly in the proper manner. Now, up to a point that was done on Sunday, you know, Sebastian Auger stopped, made sure, you know, and he is full of contrition. Nobody wants a road section action accident to happen. Doesn't, as George said in the article, doesn't benefit anyone. So, uh, but he was full of contrition. His first concern was for the occupants of the second car. They were okay. Then there are the legalities of dealing with a road traffic accident, which vary from country to country. So it's very difficult for drivers to know exactly what to do. Sometimes you can literally give them your details, your name, address, your telephone number, and you can go. Other times it is the law that you have to wait for the police to turn up. Now, I'm not entirely sure what the situation in Croatia is, but a senior team member was summoned to help the situation. The police turned up, and that is where it got interesting. Because clearly, Ogier, he made a decision, and he made a decision in, uh, you know, considering the circumstances he was in. Had he stayed to negotiate with that policeman who wanted him to stay there, he'd have lost the rally. He'd have lost the rally. No question about that. He'd have been late in by goodness knows how long. He'd have lost the rally. He made a decision because he's a world champion, because he wins rallies. That is his job. And he went to the stage, possibly against the wishes of one of the policemen that was there. Uh, knowing that he would probably have to deal with that in the steward's room later on. Now, uh, that is exactly what transpired. He went on, made the right decision, it turns out, because he went on to win the rally. And then the stewards, who had time to consider that incident, they made their decision. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you're in that sort of scenario and you know you're going before the stewards, you are praying for a fine as punishment because fines mean nothing to these teams. They mean nothing. A time penalty can mean a place or two. Exclusion, that's a disaster. A fine, you've dodged the bullet. And that is exactly what happened. Ogier was fined for that incident. Uh, for me, not a good situation. It's not a good situation. It sets a precedent. Anyone else in that situation in the future, in a battle, will do the same thing because they'll know that the precedent has been set. It's a fine that you get for barging your way past a policeman and leaving the scene of an accident. I don't know what you guys think, but for me, David, you, 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 I think you agree with me because you wrote it. But it, it, it wasn't. Well, let's just say it wasn't the stewards' finest moment on Sunday evening. I, I, I don't think it was, Cole. I think you know that's a that's a very fair representation that you've just described there. And I, I had a, quite a number of calls yesterday from people who agreed, some people who disagreed. Um, and I'm actually toying with the idea of writing another piece today because. Uh, one one person called who was actually there, uh, and didn't call but sent me some some direct messages. Who was there, um, and was there for fif for fifteen minutes, um, watching Ogier trying to reason with the police, to talk to the police, to to explain everything, and it was a very very difficult situation. The thing that concerns me slightly is that we've written our pieces, we've we've we're talk we're talking off the back of three very short video clips. You know, we mm -hmm. haven't seen the whole scenario play out. Um, and p people who were there felt that, you know, that, that Ogier really did do his bit. Um, and of course, when, when Yamo Leighton arrived there, then it becomes a slightly different scenario, doesn't it? Because then suddenly you've got a team manager, a senior team person there who probably is telling you, leave this one to me. You know, you get on your way, I'll sort it. Um, from what we understand, what, from what we know, Yamo was on the telephone to to rally control, uh, to probably a a, a Croatian speaker uh, in rally control who was trying to relay messages to the police to essentially mm. say let Ogier go. You know, it's it's fine. Uh, we can yeah. work this one out. We didn't I, really see any of that, and it no, did happen. Didn't. But ultimately, you're you're dead right. You know, the man had his hands on the on front the of the car. Not the man, the, the policeman, David, the policeman. The, the policeman, so yeah, the policeman absolutely had his hands and that is an absolute no-no. You know, you cannot mm. do that um, regardless. And But it, it, it's difficult when we've, we've got that video in isolation. 
Um, and perhaps we do need to look at the wider context, but ultimately it changes nothing. He drove no. away when a policeman he- had his hands on the bonnet. And, you know, the same things stand. You know, if the guy had stumbled, fallen, just at a point that Ogier dropped the clutch, then, yeah. you know, he's, he's run over him. In, in yeah. you know, that's the absolutely mm. worst scenario. <clears throat> Uh, but no, you know, it, it, it is, it's really quite terribly sad that we're, we're still reflecting on that and not on what was yeah. one of the stages of his life. You know, when, when, uh, when but, Elvin Evans... Before we go to that stage, though, I want to hear what you say, George. Mm. Well, I mean, it's, 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 I mean, I kind of already pretty well said everything in the article, but, but basically, you know, uh, yeah, I'm hearing a little bit more detail now. Obviously, I wasn't there. Um, the... The bottom line is, um, it's disappointing that the Croatian rally didn't have a police liaison in the in the headquarters to to deal with a thing like this. You know, many rallies, certainly very new rallies, do have that. I think they probably did. Yeah, I think they probably did. Probably did well, and they couldn't communicate it correctly. Now, there's also there's another thing here. We all know that um, that uh, you know you can you can read in the news every day that there's obviously some policemen here and there that that. That decide, you know, the policemen always have the 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 autonomy to decide a situation themselves on point, and I guess that that scenario is built into their training. I I, I imagine. I mean, there's lots of rules for them to follow. Presumably, that policeman absolutely thought he was right. He probably had no understanding of the rally, and nobody managed to liaise with them. Nobody got to him to say, "Look, actually, we will sort this one out later. Don't worry about it. It's an event we're trying to promote our country with." It uh, doesn't exclude, uh, you know, nobody's trying to run away from anything. It just We just need to get on with this. So um, driving away and pushing the policeman away, pretty damn ballsy um, mm. and crikey. I mean, he could could have ended up, uh, you know, being pulled up half a kilometre down the road by half a dozen police cars and, uh, you know, being carted off with his hands up his back, mm. um, face down in the gravel. So pretty ballsy. I think the team. It sounds like the team did everything right. Um, as I speculated in my in my um, in my article, obviously, obviously, it wasn't judged that Yarmolettinen uh, did any, anything incorrect by going out there and trying to help. I think that's what happened, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So obviously, no, nobody considered that to be uh, outside assistance, um, and he, he didn't contravene the one kilometre rule uh, somehow. Uh, but he did, George, because kind of, that was that not what the well, it kind of was, yeah. The yeah, second steward's decision was but, about, but they, but the they, yeah, they they didn't uh, they they chose not to apply it. And again, you know, it, it, within the team, I put myself in their position. You, you you know they've had an accident. The police are there. Um, uh, the the bottom line is, um, he's going to lose. You're yeah. potentially going to lose yeah. the rally. That's it. Um, that's, that's you know, he's, 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 he's going to. Yeah. You know, he's not. He's not going to be able to continue if the police are there. Go out there and fix it. We'll face whatever comes yeah. to yeah. us. You have and to. And they, they did hundred percent the right thing. Except, yeah, he did. Except that prior to this moment, the rule for breaking that that regulation is the entire team would be excluded. The entire team. You know, that's the, oh, every driver. Pretty well, yeah. That's wow. that's kind of you know it's a team transgression, wow. and the potential for a much larger penalty was there. I mean, I'm sure I would have gone out. I mean, there would have been a consultation, two or three people. Yeah, look, honestly, go out. You know, forgetting Article Forty Eight and is it Forty Eight One whatever, um, in in the in the WRC regulations. Uh, for, for people people forget the the way that that was built up. That was built up to stop active cheating going on you know mm-hmm. uh, and the 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 penalties were draconian absolutely draconian can i, can I give just a very quick example i mean i i agree yeah. i agree with what what og and toyota did entirely um yeah, yeah, I, I i would too I, 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 I certainly but, but here's the thing you know we, we don't know all the facts and it does look as if og mm. knew that he had permission to go the policeman hadn't yet been told George, you know, and I know, and I've been in that situation on a much, much less important scale. I have been in that situation many times in a rally, many, many times. Where yes, I've got I have to. to. A junction, we all have, yeah. We all heading have, to a yeah. stage end, we've got to a junction. The, the policeman has stopped us. We know we've got to be at that stage end at a certain time because the first car arrives at a certain time. Policeman stopped us. We get in touch with HQ. They get in touch with the police liaison officer. The police liaison officer says, of course you can go. I will get in touch with my officer. 
Now, it can sometimes take five or ten minutes for that officer who's standing in front of your car to get that message from Police HQ. That is the reality of it, you know. Yeah. I, I don't think we can automatically blame that policeman. For, no, no, for, absolutely. For he, he, Categorically he, not. He knows, that, not. He knows yeah. that under normal circumstances, 100 times out of 100, that, you know, he has to hold that driver there until a senior policeman tells him, whether it's an ordinary road traffic accident or whatever it might be, that senior policeman tells him, no, you don't have to carry out your normal duties. You can let him go. And until, until he gets that message from his senior officer, he can't let him go. And I suspect that is what happened. But, but as I say, I, I, you know, at the end of the day, I don't have any issues really with what Ogier did. I have issues with the precedent that's been set by the stewards. It is a poor precedent from an organisation. Oh, hang on a second, Cole. What we 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 must have a small issue with the fact that he that he dropped the clutch and drove away with no, the guy's I hands David, on the I don't, bonnet. I don't. I've, we've seen it millions of times. We've seen it. Drivers do the most awful things to try and save yeah, no, themselves right. in it's, situations. It's a, they, it's they do awful things. The, the, the world that we live in, you know, the the number of drivers as well that I spoke to yesterday that that called and said, you know, I did this and I did this, yeah. and, and you yeah. know, way way worse. Oh, listen, um, I, I've seen drivers that. picking up. You know, okay, not not. There's no jeopardy involved in it. I've seen them coming out of a final stage with alternator and battery problems and arranging with a team to pick up a spare battery hidden on the road yeah, but that's, section. That's not involving a policeman. No, no, it? no. But, but, but what I'm saying is they will do anything. Drivers will do anything to get to the end and then deal with it later. If they get caught, they deal yeah. with it later. That's the mentality that pervades in this situation is do what you have to do, deal with it later. If you stop now, you're out. You're out. There's nothing mm. to deal with later. So I don't really have too much of a problem. The problem comes in the punishment that, yeah. was, that was handed down, which is, in my view, from, you know, and, and don't forget, you know, the action for campaign for road safety, action for road safety is a massive, massive priority in the FIA's agenda these days. Um, it just doesn't and that's, look you know, that's a bit well, that's, of a, that's, that's, the, that's, that's just... the issue that I have is there was a €5,000 fine for Ogier for the incident involving the police officer. A €2,000 fine for going through... A, red, a light. red light, although I, I understand that there may have been more than one. I find that a little more uh, concerning, shall we say, because lights turn red for a reason. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and but also, Lise, you know, the thing that the huge faux pas that I kind of can't really get my head around is the fact that hours after this had happened, you know, there was the, the United Nations Special Envoy for Road Safety fist bumping and handing... Sebastian yeah. Ogier a trophy in, in Jean Todd, you know that? <laughs> slightly, slightly odd one. So if we, yeah. uh, how about we draw a line under this, but before yeah. we yes. do, how about before we do, we go through each and every one of you, to, you are now the, 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 the chief steward, tell me what is happening to Sebastian Ogier on this Sunday evening? What do we decide? I, I'm looking forward to hearing and reading your article because I think this conversation I've, I've done a bit of a U-turn since you said that you've got more information from someone who is actually on site. And it is always very difficult to judge when you have piecemeal bits of information. The question I came into this with was if it had been anyone else other than <laughs> Sebastian Ogier, would it have been a different outcome? But um, at this point, I think the only way this sport works is if you stick to the regulations. That's absolutely right. And uh, I, I do think there needed to be something that didn't have me thinking, I wonder if it had been anyone else, mm -hmm. whether they would have just been fined. I, I, I totally so agree. So hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. You're not going to wait that easily, Lise. Come on, no. tell me. <laughs> what, is, what is the penalty? Well, I, I mean, he's got the suspended one rally ban. That, that's, I don't know. Would, would, I mean, if they'd suspended him for a rally, would that have been... I, don't, I, I really don't know, David, actually. It's, I can see how difficult it would have been for the stewards because it seems to be a slap on the wrist or straight to jail. Well, there they've there got, doesn't seem to be too much of a middle ground, really, is there? Well, there is. There is there's definitely middle ground. There's definitely middle time ground. Penalty, time 100, penalty, 100,000 yeah. euro fine? No, I don't even think that would have mattered, David. You know, the, the, the marketing value for, for a win on a rally like Croatia is massive to a manufacturer. I, I think 100,000 euros, yeah, they, they'd have felt that. But, but I think Actually, the time, time penalty, I think you're right. I think the time penalty. Look, the, yeah. the, the stewards have rightly moved away from excluding drivers. In the past, we've seen drivers excluded for having out-of-date underwear on. Uh, that's harsh. Yeah. That's mm. harsh. And they've moved away from that. They've rightly moved away from that. I think a time penalty would have been the correct or a more appropriate, let's say, and a mo more of a deterrent for drivers in the future. 
whether it was so, 30 seconds, a minute, a minute drops no, and down. Then decide, cup. Cole. Then decide. Tell me, how long is that time penalty? Well, you know what? I'd have looked at the overall standings. And I've said, what is going to be... You know, if you give him a minute's penalty and there's 90 seconds between, you know, first and second, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Um, so, well, let's let's look at them then. So if we want to drop I'd have him given out- him a minute. A minute drops him down to fourth. Uh, uh, no, it doesn't. Drops him down to third. I'd have given him a minute. Yeah. George? Um... Well, first of all, I'm not being paid to be a steward, so uh, I, I, I would have been. Being sick. I, I, I would have been. I, I think I would have been being sick in the toilet, but uh, with the dilemmas that, that go on there. I imagine with you know the the president being there, you know, of of the the, the safety commission and everything. There was probably horrendous pressures, additional pressures on those stewards. I would have been sick in the toilet for an extended period of time. I suspect. That said, I, t- I tend to go with the one minute penalty. I would I would give a, a, a what I would call a, a token penalty that would affect the result, but not necessarily be too catastrophic. But would, uh, that you would know, have been would... that would have felt more appropriate. But again, I don't have all the facts. So you you you're asking us for a decision without understanding all the facts. So 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 I'm 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 out on my own saying he should have been excluded. It would appear so. I think uh, I think I think uh, a, a time a time penalty at, at, at least, uh, David, be, being a, a token to make sure that I mean that 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 you know everything being said, you know, a driver will do anything to 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 take the take the win if it's demonstrated to him that actually you'll not get away with that if you do that again, and there was a minute time penalty, that would uh, that would make the message quite clear without without needing to exclude. I I have to say just just one last bit. Sorry, I just have to, I think I have to say that I I do agree. And and after everything that I heard mm. yesterday, uh, I will write a, a subsequent piece uh, and point out that yeah, you know, perhaps exclusion would have been a bit a bit harsh. But as somebody else pointed out to me yesterday, it, almost certainly this would have been a different outcome uh, if if I think if it wasn't Ogier, if it was car sixty two at the back of the field. Yeah. You know, we have seen, we've seen, we've seen, I, I can't remember where, but we saw an M Sport car um, uh, excluded for, for exposing the, the foam on the door and for, for, Im, for side impact damage. Um, that's always down to the, that's always down to the interpretation of the technical, technical delegate on the scene. But, but could you imagine, George, it wasn't Jerome that went, that went out to see, to see Ogier, mm-hmm. but can you, it would take some fairly ballsy steward, uh, sorry, technical delegate to go to, to Sebastian Auger out in the middle of a rally and say, stop, that's unsafe. I've, You're I've not seen going anywhere. Every, every single one of those technical delegates that I, well, that I worked with in my last uh, 15 years in the sport, which was the, the very modern era with all the, the safety regulations coming in and a lot of, you know, emergent regulations that were difficult to interpret. You had quite a lot of very active discussions with these guys during events. Yeah. Um, they, um, they had no problem enforcing the rules. I'll tell you what we can talk about is the fact that Sebastian Ogier is king of the power stage. He yeah, is the was, king of the power stage. That was pretty special. Yeah, it was fantastic. Three three point nine seconds. Elvin had going into that stage. You know, you're you're never confident these days going into a close power stage. But I think we were all pretty confident, confident to the point that I had started to 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 put my Monday report together. Uh, <laughs> oh dear! You know, um, jinxed it. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, you look at the the morning, and and Elvin had been fastest on the first one, fastest on the second, second quickest on the third. You know, he had he'd got control of Ogier, hadn't he? Um, yeah. Yeah, and 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 you know, f- for the first time in that weekend, he'd found real comfort in the car. He'd got the 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 car was turning in where he wanted it to. It was all working perfectly. So, you know, really. I mean, he he made uh, the tiniest of mistakes. How much do we think he lost from his mistake? Second and he, a half, maybe. He, definitely, because he was two point yeah. point nine of a second. It, it, yeah. <laughs> It, it it was it, the difference was down to two point nine, and then what did he lose yeah. by? Something like four point six, and and it yeah, was only yeah. there was only a couple of corners in that split time sector. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Elvin said that you know it wasn't it wasn't actually the running wide up onto the bank. It was the it was the length of straight afterwards because obviously mm. he had to go down a 
down yeah. down a couple you've of gears to speed, pick the speed you've up. lost that speed yeah. all the way, yeah. You know, it was that last corner, yeah. wasn't it? And oh, now, absolutely, yeah. It was like a double whammy almost for Elvin. As he came in a little bit wide, losing a little bit of time yeah. up the bank a little bit of time, it. but then then mm. losing time as the car, you know, well, it lost speed, took a bit of time to get back up to speed again, and bang, he's, he's obviously... Uh, you know, lost that bit of time and he hasn't managed to take the win. But do you know what's really, really interesting for me? The fact that Elvin Evans hasn't yet hit top form. He really hasn't. You know, we, we see him there or thereabouts. All weekend he was within, what, within 10 seconds off the lead. He had a couple of bad stages, dropped a bit of time, got it back again. Uh, what's really interesting is that Elvin's safe pace, if you like, the pace that he feels comfortable with, he's not comfortable with the car, but that pace that he's... I say he's not comfortable. At times, he's not comfortable with the car. The car's still occasionally doing things under certain circumstances that he's not happy with. But but he's not dropping right down to 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th place. He is still there. He's maintaining that chance of pushing for the win when, when the feeling is good. And we saw that Colin. on the Sunday morning. He's developing into quite some driver. Colin, it's absolutely fantastic. Look, the guy is one of the ultimate rally drivers. He's built himself up increment by increment. You know, all that training, all that time he had with M Sport when he was obviously under a lot of pressure to bring a car home and not damage it and, you know, always do the right thing. There was always that pressure. He was on a commercial deal for many, many years where he had those pressures. Uh, you know, he crashed the car this time, you're not doing the next event. And he's had to build himself up slowly and incrementally he's getting closer and closer to that dominant position. He's going to get there. He's, he's, he's basically there, but it's he's doing it increment by increment. I respect it so massively, feeling his way to the edge. The whole weekend he was completely in the fight, just not quite, just not quite there, not quite a couple, couple of stages, but, you know, just... 1.2, 1.3 seconds down, you know, uh, 0.4 a second, you know, within six, seven seconds of the leader, nearly the whole rally. Um, I mean, I think he probably was the whole rally, uh, but not being prepared to do what Sebastian Ogier is prepared to do yet, which is that depth of experience and knowledge and confidence to push that extra bit and to say, I'm going to make that work for four or five kilometres. I can hang on to this for four or five kilometres over that raggedy edge and I'll get another 1.2 seconds out. I'm risking everything. You know, it's, 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 a, it's you know, you got a 10% chance of success and a 90% chance of failure. But for Sebastian, he can work that 10%. He knows where it is. He takes that 10% in a stage and he only takes what he needs. It's, it's artful, but, but, but absolutely, Elfin is getting there. And I mean, I was very surprised. Thierry, in every time when Thierry loses time on the first day or the first afternoon or the second day, the guy comes back stronger and tougher, with filled with adrenaline and normally clinches the victory. I mean, as often as not, the guy comes back from that situation and wins. Unbelievable threat. So we got a great fight with everyone. I was surprised that Thierry didn't, uh, didn't actually get himself even more into the fray if you can call a few seconds uh, being but out of it. I, I wonder, though, I, I take absolutely all of that on board, and I, but I do just finally wonder that even when Elvin absolutely reaches his absolute peak, which he will do later this year, next year, whenever, could he, could he then have beaten Ogier on that stage? Because, I, you know, I, I, when, when we were talking to Ogier, when well, we were I mean, talking to Elvin well, after the thing, you know, Elvin's great, you know, he got over the... The emotion of the job and then we just we stood and chatted and and the pair of us just said you know you have to take your hat off to what Ogier did but you've got to put it into context of everything that we spent the first half hour of this podcast discussing was in Ogier's mind when he went to that start line and he managed to take all of that yeah. put it to one side and strength then just get on with it the mental strength because yeah, he has he has remarkable mental strength and what he can do he can sit and he can wait and he can if you like, control the race. And when he has to, when he absolutely has to, he will put everything on the line, as he did in that power stage on Sunday. Yep. Was willing to take the risk, was willing to uh, well, risk everything to get those extra points, to get the power stage points, and more crucially, to take the win. But, but Colin, Colin, we should also factor in here, you know, what we'd seen happen on Friday morning. You know, you can't, you can't put that completely out of your mind as well when... You know, he was within two or three centimetres 
of, of an enormous accident and landing on top of Cali Rovan Pereira. I, I beg to differ on that. I, 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 drive, drivers put that behind them immediately, David. That that just all that yeah, does is makes yeah, them stronger. True. That type of thing genuinely makes them. So he, he's had that moment. He's picked it up, and he he would have been on the edge for an interminably long amount of time as he picked it all up. It would have been a huge, hugely. Mm. He made the, the drivers adrenaline and everything that that moment would have lasted 30 seconds in his head he had plenty of time to pick it up and apply every skill and he knew he had to get every little aspect hundreds of micro decisions over that period of time he had to get everything exactly right there was one chance to get out of it keep driving keep it moving get everything everything and that, micrometer and do you think perfect. george do you think makes you stronger george do you think that does, i was just going to say do you think that strengthens you because yeah as a driver, you know, you, you or certainly yeah. Colin, Lisa, and I would get to the end of the stage and be, you know, a gibbering wreck. Yeah. But, but no, 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 that's. But that, that, but, that, but for you, George, you would it would oh, make yeah, you stronger. Absolutely, be be, like, because yeah. you know you've had that moment. All right, now I know where the limit is on these roads. Wow, that was quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. maybe I was a bit lucky there. Well, anyway, I was skilled enough. I got out of it. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Definitely makes you stronger. Do you know what though, guys? I think we have to have a look at Hyundai and what's going on at Hyundai because it's quite baffling you know whenever there's a tyre choice to be made or certainly recently whenever there has been a tyre choice to be made they seem to have made the wrong tyre choice it, it is quite baffling yes we're on new tyres yes we're going to rallies we don't know but the other teams are getting it right M Sport are getting it right Toyota are getting it right more often than not Hyundai are getting the tyre choice disastrously wrong and, you know, <laughs> the tyre choice they made Saturday morning, yeah. I reckon, cost Thierry Neuville the chance of winning the rally. So mm. what is going on there? It's, it's baffling. Well, that, that's exactly what uh, Andrea Adamo is, I'm sure, as we speak. He's sitting at his desk trying to work out exactly what is going on. You know, that was his big point, wasn't it, coming out of the weekend, that he's fed up with losing on these pivotal decisions. Um, and they did. You know, big time. They lost on, on Saturday morning. And it was just so curious as we talked endlessly through the event that they'd spread the the risk through through Friday. I can't remember morning or afternoon, probably morning, when when they when they'd sent uh, the three cars out on different tires, uh, and then they put all of their eggs in one basket on the on the Saturday morning and all go on the on the hard. It just it made no sense. I I don't know. I you know George would be far better placed to to understand. You know, I said to Adamo, okay. You want this changing? What is it? Does it mean you need more weather crews? Do you need more, you know, more people in the stages? What do you need? And he said, "Well, you know, if I knew that, it wouldn't have happened in the first place. So that's why we're <laughs> going to go away." But you know what, George? What can they do? You know, uh, how can they? How can they make these decisions? Right? I, I I recall a similar a similar circumstance on on a couple of occasions. Uh, um, probably people wouldn't want me to talk about it too much, but but you know we we have we have pulled in a regime where we've you know we've we've had drivers being influenced from too many directions by people that are you know think that think they know what they're talking about, but they've not got all the collateral, and we've ring fenced that. I've had to you know I've had to put a a, a a system in place, speak to everybody involved, saying this is the way that information comes back. It comes back to this central person. Uh, we base our tire decisions based on all the empirical data we've got, and it's strong. And then you 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 make decisions based on that. You can make the ballsy decisions, the ones that win you the rally, without necessarily taking the chance. The fact that they're not bracketing uh, choices now—I mean, a right choice is a right choice across the way—but occasionally you need to you need to do a bit of bracketing. Added complexity, of course, is the 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 the, the allowance for the mixture of uh, tires across, uh, even 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 on the same axles. Um, you know, soft on one side, medium on the other, diagonal. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I can't imagine all the bother you go to building a beautiful car, beautiful chassis, and then you've got variable grip on each corner of the car. Almost impossible to really get a, an ideal setup. Rallying is always a compromise. That always seems like one compromise too many for me, although I fully understand the benefits. And I was there at the end of one of the first stages when the very first driver did it, Sebastian Loeb, and we were all gobsmacked because I think he pulled 30 seconds out of anyone. It was, in it was Germany, wasn't it? A wet, was it a wet Germany? I remember it on Monte Carlo, and, and he, he, he pulled nine bells out of everybody else. 
on a Monte Carlo. I remember. I'm sure it was Monte Carlo. I was at the in- stage ends. Yeah. So you know, d- d- difficult dynamics. But you know, you just need to be strong. You need to be solid. You need to be clear. Clear management. So you know, if if there was a failing there on Hyundai's part, it just looks to me like the way they're managing their their decisions. Um, it can be a trust thing between the drivers and the tyre engineers. Is there one driver sitting there saying, oh, I really don't like these Pirellis, I want the Michelins back? Well, you know, grow up, they're gone. Uh, you know, Pirellis are, <laughs> Pirellis are fabulous tyres, you know, just in exactly the same way that Michelins are fantastic tyres. You know, we're, we're so lucky that we've got, you know, f- for the last number of years at least, I mean, I know we've been single-make series, which is for me is a loss, but at the same time, uh, we've got these two major manufacturers you know, the biggest in the world, the most technologically advanced tyres that you can buy. You can go out and buy them for your own car. It's brilliant. Michelin or Pirelli. Hard to go past but, them. And all that But, George, I've got to pick you up on, on... I have to pick you up on something there, okay. George. You know, we know we know for sure that the Pirelli tyre will work in a different way to the way the Michelin tyre Of course works. it will, yes. It will. It and, will. And, and, yeah. But equally, it'll work differently on each car. You know, yeah. the, the, there's a lot of talk that the Pirelli at the moment, is slightly more snappy, slightly less progressive than the Michelin was because it hasn't had that 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 development yeah. over the last 10 years. Absolutely. Right at the very top of the sport. So what we would then look at is to say perhaps the Toyota, the way the chassis, the geometry works, it works better with that Pirelli tyre on, uh, on the tarmac than the Hyundai does. You know, is the Hyundai perhaps a slightly more nervous car inherently yeah. on tarmac? I think- and when you add that, Really into it, can it I, makes it even worse. Uh, can I throw something in, George? Can I throw something in here? Very quickly, Colin. Um, yes. <laughs> very, very quickly. And it, and it might be absolute nonsense, as it often is. But Toyota, you've got a team of three drivers who are supremely confident, who are happy with the way their car is performing. Therefore, I suspect you're getting similar sort of feedback as to what they need with the tyres. With Hyundai, you've got one driver who can make seemingly the car work. You've got two drivers who are completely lost. Does, is that not automatically a recipe for confusion when it comes Absolutely. to tyres? I would say I would be very, I'd be very careful in saying that Oit Tannock was completely uh, lost. Cole. Okay, okay. Two, two drivers who are lost, David. Take out the word completely. He didn't really, he wasn't happy with that car. There's no question. You, you say that, you know, the guy was within touching distance. He wasn't. I mean, you know, but, but I think, I think, he wasn't. Yeah, uh, your, your he point, wasn't. your point, fair enough. But, but the, the, the bottom line is, it, it, we're only talking about Setup changes will will get that sorted out for for Ott. He needs, you know, he will he will find the test that where everything will gel for him and it will come together with the car, or or maybe not. Maybe maybe the car has a fundamental. I no, but my, my point refers back to the, the event we've just had, George, and and the you know the point that we talked about initially. Why why is it that Hyundai seem to get it wrong? Is it because drivers they're getting different input from all three drivers, perhaps? Is, is, team is, should be, team should be configured to be able to deal with that. You know, you've got you've got a main overall engineer, right. and then you've got different. You've got car engineers uh, that are working with the drivers. Uh, I'm sure Pirelli have probably got one embedded engineer in the entire team, yeah. Who will go to all the tests. Uh, honestly speaking, you've you've got a you know it's it's a question of building up trust with everyone. Some drivers really struggle to trust new people or build up a rapport. And believe it, and then they get slightly jaundiced about something. Quite often, it ends up with the poor engineer being moved on. I've seen that many, many times. Not that he's done anything wrong. It's just that the driver decided not to trust him. And uh, but it can be a simple thing like that can fix it. Do do we think there is an element here that you know we know the style of driver Tanak is? You know, Tanak is he's a great engineer. He you know he understands that the absolute fundamentals of the way that a car's working. You know, p- potentially better than any other driver in the in the service park. Is he thinking too deeply about that car? You know, Thierry doesn't. I don't think, from my understanding, I don't think Thierry has that sort of depth of knowledge. And perhaps Thierry just gets in the thing and drives it and doesn't think too deeply about the changes that he could make or what this could have. You know, the, the way that it works. But certainly, you know, when you when you talk to Tanak at the weekend. He he was on the limit. He had moments, and he knew that if he continued at that pace at a hundred percent, he would go off the road. Uh, so he, he, you know, maybe maybe Thierry got lucky for three days. Um, I think that that comes back, David, to that one thing that we've talked about many times. It's all down to driver confidence and feel. Yeah. The the, the reality is they're all driving on the same tires. Okay, the chassis are slightly different, but even within the team, 
the setups are different. So the setup that Thierry had obviously gave him a little bit more than Ott could get out of his car. Um, and, and maybe, be, maybe actually, do, do we dare venture into this one and just say that maybe Thierry's a better driver on tarmac? You know, he's he's been born and brought up on <laughs> on on tarmac, and inherently, you know, changing grip. He was certainly levels, better in Croatia. That was fair to say. Yeah, that's not unfair. <laughs> he was definitely no definitely better. Yeah, and you know, look, yeah, no, that's 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 one, not fair. One driver though. doesn't that's, win that's, everywhere. Uh, you know, I'm, 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 I I wouldn't I wouldn't yeah. get I mean like so. I wasn't 100 percent happy with the car. He brought that home solidly for points. I mean, he did. he, he revert. How professional is that? It's brilliant. Yeah. You know, it is. You, 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 you take what you can from each driver when they can give it. And, and, he and knew, you don't he chastise them and you don't berate them when they can't. He knew what he had and he delivered. And he knew that if he went off the road, it was another absolute yeah. no score, which potentially yeah. would rule him out of the championship. You know, 100%. For me, so he did, was, he did was, everything was, 100% right. Yeah, he did. He totally 100% did. 100% right. Yeah. yeah. Just, you know, take... This berating, you know, this, and, and, this, all, all this, this Adamo berating himself for these terrible decisions. Yes, absolutely. You know, flagellate away, but don't, don't, <laughs> uh, don't, don't pull everyone else in around you. You know, I've, I've worked with people like that, and 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 they can be. It's very rewarding because they drive everything really hard, and I thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah, but mm. but and I've also worked with people that that basically um, that there's a lot of shrapnel around. You know, it's dead easy. It's dead easy to get hit by it. Um, mm. Uh, but, but and equally, I'm happy to say he doesn't. He doesn't seem to be bang, banging away his drivers. I, I think that that Ott actually, you know, did a great rally considering that he, he quite clearly wasn't at one with the car. And and what we should say is, he, you know, Craig Breen was was absolutely at the races in 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 the, in the shakedown in power stage. You know, second mm-hmm. quickest. Okay, three seconds behind Ogier, but a second up on Thierry Neville. So. Mm-hmm. You know, Craig's mm. whole event. Where did that come from? But though, his, his whole event was compromised by that puncture, wasn't it? Uh, on on whichever day mm. it was, I think Saturday morning mm. was it? I can't remember. You know, from that moment onwards, he knew that if when he'd lost all that time, if he pushed and went off, that potentially could have been the end of everything because that would have been a really stupid mm. mistake. So he kept his powder dry. He knew that he could keep the car clean and then push like hell in the power stage and try and make some points for yeah. the team. Exactly what he did. Can I just move us on at this point? Because we had the whole circus in town at Rally Croatia. So I do want to come on to WRC 2, 3 and the juniors to pack it in to this action-packed Dirtfish.com podcast. But um, we, we've got to see how the, the end sport performance uh, measured out over the, the weekend yeah, as well. Uh, what a sensational, you know, probably the best. The best result for them in 18 months. Uh, Adrian Formo, an absolute find, isn't he? You know, he, he, mm. I remember Malcolm Wilson telling me back in, we were up a, at Dovenby in 2018. There's a, a bit of a feature about this on dirtfish.com uh, saying goodbye to Sebastian Ogier. Uh, quite an emotional moment when the whole factory came together and, and said goodbye to Seven, to Julian uh, on the back of their second world championship with the team. Uh, and I said to Malcolm, you know, what's the future? Where where do you go now? And there was this little fella walking around the factory with his glasses on, looking a little bit like a a, a French exchange student. And Malcolm pointed him out and said, it's him. <laughs> and I said, I got to be honest. I said, well, who's he? And he said, that's Adrian Formo. Uh, go and introduce yourself. You know, he's the next one. Um, and that was December 2018. Uh, and for the next couple of years, we, you know, we kept an eye on him and, and thought, yep, yeah, you know, possibly. But I mean, I remember when we were at, where were, we were in Rome, was it last year? Italy. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. we saw, you know, great pace immediately in the stage, but then a bit, quite a big crash. Um, he binned it big time. But, yeah. Stage four, stage three. But yeah, but then, I mean, equally, he, he went to Monte Carlo in, in 19 and finished in the top 10 on his first time ever. Uh, in Monty, so it was a real kind of roller coaster, a bit of up and down. But last weekend in Croatia, it all came together uh, for Adrian Formo in in the most spectacular fashion. Uh, just a, a brilliant, brilliant drive, which is great for him, but it's also exceptional for the whole team because M Sport had its yeah. new engine there, uh, the engine which it will use for the next three years, starting from next year. So hugely exciting um, for them. And I think it was David. Yeah. I think it was, and I think I think uh, uh, you know, for more like you, I think a lot of people were you know seeing him as a decent driver, but not seeing that real spark. Mm. Not seeing you know we saw when Tanak burst onto the scene, 
uh, you know, right from the very early days, and I think it was the Pirelli Star Driver scheme, that he had something special. Ogier in the juniors, in that junior Citroen car, we knew he was going to be special. Similarly, I suppose, with uh, Sebastian Loeb. But we didn't really get that feeling with Formal. But, you know, th- these are the formative years. These are the years you're learning. Uh, and, and I suppose much like Elvin Evans, you know, he's learned, he, he seems to be someone that takes in those learnings pretty quickly and, and very, very well. Um, and it was a sensational debut. I'd have to say, um, Formo did brilliantly with those, I think it was two second quickest times yep. and fifth overall. Okay, he had a small off on the last day, but that, that was neither here nor there. Um, but what I'm really excited about, I'm excited about Formo. I'm also excited about that M Sport Fiesta, David, because as you say, yeah. that new engine that's gone in the car, there was an increase in pace from, well, Formo's pace was exceptional. Greensmith's pace was definitely up a notch or two. How much of that performance was down to the ability of that car and that engine? That could be really, really the most exciting positive for M Sport from the weekend. It, it, it looked really strong because what Formo did, he set those times barely breaking sweat. Mm. You listened to him at the end of the stage and it was hard to compute that this kid that had just finished, well, at the time when he came through fastest in the stage, was driving that car for the first time competitively. He was so relaxed. He was so calm. And and it appeared to come so easily to him. So, yes, massive talent, massive ability. I think that car could be some, or that engine could be something special as well. Definitely. And it certainly, you know, it got the interest of, of Sebastian Ogier, who mentioned at the end that, you know, let's let's absolutely not rule out uh, M Sport because, like you say, you know, Ogier knows how good that chassis is. Uh, and he, he's worked for two years with the team and, and he knew, you know, when, when he, he will look at the stage, the results and the split times and all of that in a very different way that we do. You know, he'll look for the top speed. He'll look for the speed out of hairpins, all of that. There's a whole load of data there. He knows that engine's good. Um, so, you know, if Sebastian Ogier rules M-Sport into the fight, then we, you know, who are we to argue? Uh, and just, you know, one last point on the Formo thing is, you know, that his, his pace and everything was fantastic. There's no doubt about that. But what's also hugely impressive and what really caught Malcolm's eye at the weekend was when he went off into that ditch on, I think it was the second stage on Sunday morning, uh, and the calmness, you know, he understood immediately what he'd done. Uh, and like Malcolm said, he didn't just try and bang it into reverse and, and strip some teeth off the dogs or whatever. He just, he sat there, he let the spectators on this no, no spectator event push him out of the ditch. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, it was just really calm and, and accepting, yeah. okay, I've made a mistake. You know, that sort of composure uh, is not normally seen, particularly, you know, on your first ever WRC round and I, I liken it you know I used to bang on about the time when Cali went off on in Sweden where his, his last yes. year in, in, in the Skoda and he went into that snowbank and he just took his hands off the wheel and he sat with his arms folded he let the spectators do their thing when the car was ready he tightened his belts pulled it into first and off he went you know no banging the mm. wheel no great histrionics just get on with it um and get on and, with it. and, yeah. and yeah and and it was it was very very impressive and like you say you know it was it was gr- great to see a genuine step forward from uh, from Gus and and really some of that I'm sure has to be has to be thanks to to putting Chris Patterson in the seat you know hugely experienced mm-hmm. fella uh, co-driving for him it it was good Mr. All Calm re- absolutely Mr. Yeah, uh, totally Mr. Calm and, and and you know this is perhaps a way to to link into um into WRC two leagues, you know, we saw great times from. No, no, let's let's one. Sorry, mate. No, let's let's not let's not move on because we, <laughs> you know, you did say there were two drivers we had to mention. George, I am going to ask you. You know, Takamoto Katsuta. Yes, we saw him winning a power stage in Monza, but two absolutely genuine stage wins in Croatia, and for me, not just important for Takasan, really important for the sport mm. because Takasan is looking to me like. I'm not going to say he's going to win rallies, but I don't think that's beyond beyond him. But I think he is going to be... Why aren't be... you going to say that, Cole? Why aren't you going to say that? Well, because, I, I, you know, he's, he's got a little way to go yet. He's got a little way to go yet to, to be at a position where he can win rallies. But I, I think he is he is a level he, of... He won, he, won, he won 10% of the stages last weekend. Okay, so he's got, he's got to up his performance by another 90%. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite a lot. That's quite a lot. But George, point, George it's really, really important, isn't it, for, for the sport and for, you know, if we're going to get other manufacturers back from Japan, that we do have 
a proper Japanese challenger. And in Takasan, we've got that. I don't know how important it is for the sport in general, but how fantastic is it that, 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 that a manufacturer has made that investment in a young driver programme? You know, it was quite a broad uh, initial uh, pass. I think they had three or four guys, five, maybe five guys initially, narrowed it down to two. And now that they, they, they made the right call. They've taken Takasan, who's done an amazing job and continues to grow. I mean, it's, you know... It, one fastest in 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 Monza now two. I mean, okay, road position. You you take those you take those advantages when you can. It's still phenomenally quick. What a quick driver! And again, if he can, if he can compute everything, if he can analyze everything correctly, take the right strategic uh, approach to uh, an, an event, which he quite clearly does, and then apply the tactics stage by stage step by step knowing where you can take the advantages backing off when you can't his skill level is increasing every kilometre he does every competitive kilometre he does is giving him so much more tactical nous yep he'll grow and and Colin if he continues to be given the opportunity uh, you know he's phenomenally quick he's well, as you say you, you never know many drivers have just made a flick from fairly from fairly you know near to being the top to all of a sudden winning everything you know i'll give you one example mm. henry teuvenen he was an, he also yeah. ran in the british championship in the in the early 80s and then all of a sudden it just clicked and came good yeah um, anything is possible and, and that's it well also ran that's, that's take, wrong sorry they also ran they also ran was a bit yeah. wrong but you know those early days when he was doing british championship you know, all the all the top drivers were here, and he was finishing eighth, ninth, and he would be in a Talbot Sunbeam or a Total Escort. You know, the same same as the factory guys, and he wasn't there. And all of a sudden, the guy became unstoppable for quite a few years. Now we go on to yeah. WRC two. Yes, sorry, yeah, Liz. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just ticking all the and, boxes and... that we need to cram into this podcast. So, victory. Well, we've got three also. minutes left, guys. Three <laughs> minutes left, and and. And an, and an exceptional win for Mads, wasn't it? You know, I mean, let's. I bet I can't help but think probably now Andreas Mickelson is beginning to wish that he hadn't talked about dominating <laughs> WRC two at, at the oh, start of the so season. Oh, he was so unlucky though. You know that? No, 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 no. He wasn't. Lee. Oh, okay. No, sorry. Pressure. But the pressure okay. got to him. Pressure got to him. You know, there was Madsy and and Temu and uh, and both, and Gryzen. Oof. Yeah, absolutely, Grison. You know, superb. I thought it was the weird, yeah. wasn't it just the um, weird arm? Don't say it just broke. Nothing just breaks. Okay, okay, okay. I've got a smack. I take Let's it back. be honest. Uh, you know, this is why you're here. It, it, it did. There was a, there was an element of slapping in there, uh, and, and yeah. But fair dues to to Osberg. You know, he did a great result. You know, a, a great rally. Sorry, and then especially on that final day when yeah. you know he had the brake issues again and really struggled. Um, and you know, if you genuinely don't want to be losing brakes, George, anywhere, but particularly not oh, on a tarmac rally a, like I this, mean, do I, you? I, don't, I don't understand how he how he actually managed to 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 keep it going and and keep it together. It's so so tough. I mean, the, the, yeah. no, he said he explained yeah. the the problem that the 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 pads and the discs weren't pre bedded, yeah. uh, and then of course on the way out to the first stage, it they were only going through the centre of Zagreb, mm. so he didn't get any opportunity to really work the mm. brakes. Uh, so then, as soon as you get into the stage, George, what's ha what happens if you're going in with with? Well, they they, they glaze up. You've got you've got to bed them in, which is like a process of of you know, a, a mm. series of of harder and harder presses to bed the brakes in without overheating them. If you overheat the pads, so you imagine you've not done that. You go into the stage, the pads and and the discs are not bedded to each other. Little little microscopic little lines that that you know give give you a contour and give you get that hundred percent contact across the pad with the disc. Um, uh, it, be it beds in over it. You can bed them in relatively quickly, but you don't want to overheat them because the sort of resin that holds them all together bubbles out and the pads start to break up they become glazed they lose they lose a, a great deal of the coefficient of friction you end up with a horribly hard unfeeling pad you can still probably stop it'll be different on different wheels the brakes might not even be breaking evenly it's absolutely horrendous easy to easy mistake yeah. to make uh, in in many terms uh, you know you need time you, you need you need you need to be able to take the car out and run them and bed them in 
because the pads are bedded to particular discs. The the big teams uh, will will have uh, either a car or a machine where they 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 take uh, uh, they take new discs and they have new pads and they bed those pads to those discs and then they're sitting there when they are changed onto the car. Those pads go with those discs and that both goes on the car. Uh, smaller teams can't do that. So you, what you would do then is a couple of days before the rally, you would you would uh, take all the spare discs. Maybe for a tarmac rally, you, you might have six sets of spare discs. I don't know. I don't know how good they are these days and, and, and how aggressive the, the pads are, but you might have six spare sets and you would put them on the car turn by turn. An engineer would go out and just go down the motorway and you just literally, you press your left foot on the brake. <clears throat> gently building up the pressure over a series of a few kilometres until they're bedded in without overheating them at any stage. That's the most important thing. So you don't take them anywhere near fade point. You're just bedding them in gradually and slowly. Let's say three or four wow. kilometres maybe can that's... do it. Maybe maybe it takes a few more depending on the material. And that... that's what you do. That's that's a superb explanation, George. <laughs> was it? Okay, it was crap. Yeah, really. It was crap. But, but, but just move it. 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 Absolutely <laughs> wasn't, George. It was exactly yeah. what we were Good. after. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, we do. But that didn't also, happen. As time is, as, no, that <laughs> didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it should have done. Um, but also, just quickly moving on, you know, you mentioned Grise in there. You know, yeah. it's, it's easy to overlook. You know, midway through the event, he was back in front and leading yeah. Osberg uh, for one stage. He and then... There was some something happened, but then ultimately he crashed. Yeah. Um and quite a sizable shunt by all accounts. Yeah. You you said he turned Which, the corner, David. And and I think he has I, turned the corner. I think he has. And I think the crash but he was clearly on, hasn't, has he? Well the crash was on Sunday, wasn't it? It was late on. Uh, he's got through two days at good pace. That, that that's 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 a he's, positive. He's there is no doubt that boy is one of the bravest uh, and quickest drivers uh, out there. But you know, we saw exactly the same, and I hate to make this comparison, with, with Novikov, didn't Correct. we? You know, just unbelievable balls on the boy to get the thing through. But, you know, couldn't stop crashing. And, and why uh, did Novikov not crash? Because he didn't listen to anyone. Thought he knew everything. Uh, and there's, there's, yeah, there's a suggestion... I'm not sure Gry's... Oh, there's, a suggestion, there's a suggestion that there's a similar attitude. I, I think he is changing that attitude. Um, and I think he's learning. But he has to learn quickly, because you can't... You know, he does. You can't, you can't just keep shells doing. are expensive. Shell, and, I, and, I, and I don't know. I, I, the understanding is he's very, very well funded, but you know you cannot keep crashing because people will lose faith in you. Um, the people that work no. with you, the people that are backing you. Uh, at some point, mm. he has to start delivering, and and he has to start delivering finishes. And we know he can deliver wins. So you know, let's see what you can do, Nikolai, because we yep. we all want to see you doing well. But you know, no, totally. And we you only know, see just you as on much your roof. <laughs> just as much as a, a, a strong Japanese driver is, is really important, you know, a strong Russian driver is yeah. is super important to the championship as well. But, I mean, a great result from uh, Kaitanovic. Uh, yeah. Kaito drove tremendously to win WRC3. But, you know, what an exceptional result in juniors yeah. uh, for John Armstrong. How cool is that? Yeah, he's been around for a long time, hasn't he, David? Um, that's his... But he reinvented himself. Re reinvented again, himself. You know, after that a monster shunt in, in Sweden last year. Yeah, well, massive. And again, we've got a video, I think it's on our YouTube channel, it is, where he talks through that massive shunt and he talks through mm. the damage to the car. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about Armstrong as being a gamer turned rally driver. That perplexes me. Because Nonsense. I, I remember Armstrong <laughs> from way back, you know, nearly 10 yeah. years ago, 2012, 2013, when he first, he was a driver who then lost his funding, saw esports as a way of making a little bit of money, which he did and finding some success. But his his mm. his you know, his passion is for driving rally cars. And he's a very good rally car driver. And he showed us that at the weekend. I thought he was exceptional. Phil Hall next to him as well. I think that's a new partnership, mm. isn't it? Um yeah. so you know it worked really, really well and I thought it was it was superb to see him take the win because you know for the juniors it wasn't an easy event, David. We saw just how messy those roads were. Um, can you imagine? Oh, can you did. imagine coming at some of those corners in a two-wheel drive Fiesta when they were more no. or less gravel? You know, not easy. No, absolutely not. So no, good, good result for him and exciting start to the juniors. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and a big I thumbs up all around by the leads? sound of it for Rally Croatia. Um, I, oh, massive! I can't, I can't yeah. give you any more time to discuss whether or not it's going to have a permanent fixture on the calendar or whether it deserves that place. We'll have to save that perhaps for a little later. In yes and yes. Yes from me. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I know from Sebastian Oji. <laughs> he doesn't want to come back and find that place. <laughs> for me, so I'll say been, yes. 
So we've been looking back at Rally Croatia on Spin the Rally Pod. We've still got plenty more to talk about, as you can probably guess. So we will be back with another episode. I don't know what's going to be on the schedule for the next um, next podcast, but we know what's next on the calendar. But you need to stay with Dirtfish.com for your fix of rally information, rally news, and David Evans' word smithery, if that is such a thing. Um, But thank you, David Evans, George Donaldson and Colin Clark. It has, as ever, been a joy. Thank you, Lisa. Tremendous. Thank you.